I want to get into the word of the Lord. Can we go to the word of the Lord? Amen. Hallelujah. God is good. Amen. God is good. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We serve an awesome God. And he is worthy to be praised. So this week I was hanging out with the family. It was one day that, uh, you know, the kids were off from school this week. And so there was one day I, we went out, we hung out a little bit. And um, the place that I took them to, the man at the end, he asked me, he said, what do you do for a living? I said, I'm a pastor. And his, you know, when I say that, it's always interesting the response I will get. <laughs> for many reasons. And that day, you know, I do rag on, I was chilling, hoodie on, all the things. <laughs> What do you do for a living? <laughs> I'm going to be your pastor. Um, I get a lot of interesting response. Obviously, if the person is a believer, they love the Lord, the excitement is there. Really? You love the Lord too? And we go into just talking about the goodness of God. Amen. Hallelujah. And uh, other times, you know, I guess I don't look like the typical Whatever a pastor is supposed to look like, I prefer the way I look. And your traditional look, amen. It's just my opinion, amen. Hallelujah. But uh, so, you know, there, there are those who have the stereotypes of what they look like. But then there's a third set of people who, <laughs> hey, they seem to be the most. And sometimes I wonder if they realize that you know, pastors are human beings too. And this third set of people, their reaction is always when you tell them you're a pastor, they say, oh, you, you, you like them people that like they, you want a jet and you, you like the guys who steal money. And you literally sit there and you're like, yep, that's what I do. <laughs> tell people about Jesus, steal their money. Yep. I don't understand how I'm supposed to, because what they do is they take the worst in the business and they automatically label you the worst. But how many know that that can be said about any business? Whatever you do for a living, there's a terrible person that's doing what you do somewhere. Amen. Amen, somebody. It's like if there's a police officer in the, ch in, in the church, he probably would not want to tell everybody he's a police officer because what we do is immediately take the ones you see highlighted and you say, huh, oh, you crooked, ain't you? You want to beat me up, huh? <laughs> but the danger is when you paint everybody with a broad brush. I would hate to tell somebody I work at the DMV. <laughs> you do? You got an attitude automatically, don't you? See, see what's happening there? Unfortunately, I'm in a business where I get told I'm a thief. <laughs> and I work the total opposite. Amen. Amen. When my son was in a car accident, a man came to our house and he knocked on the door. He said, I saw your, your car was in an accident. I said, yeah. He said, uh, um, was there any injuries? I said, you know, thankfully, no, they were not. He said, you sure? <laughs> I said, positive. He said, no, no, no. No, no, no. <laughs> there needs to be an injury here. So I started to realize this, this, there's something going on here. You know, I haven't been in the streets for a while. So I said, well, what do you mean? He said, soft tissue. So what do you mean soft? What do you mean soft? He said, yeah, all we need to do is get him to come to my office for a couple of weeks and, you know, we could get you paid. I said, well, you know, if he was injured, I'd have taken advantage of that, but he's fine. Everybody's fine. He said, come on, man, think about how much money you pay insurance. I thought about it. I thought about it real quick. I said, you make a good case. He said, I said, no, man. He said, this is what I do for a living. And in my mind, I'm like, don't ask me. 
I do for a living. Because I'm trying to teach people how not to cheat. But in the business that I'm in, these reactions are interesting because once people hear you're a pastor, their mind goes immediately to whatever the media has painted your mindset to believe about pastors. And I had to tell the one guy this week, I said, you know, the stories that you see on TV are far from the reality of most preachers and most believers. Believers aren't walking around with just boatloads of money, amen? And if you are, we have a building fund. <laughs> And so oftentimes that causes preachers and, and people who preach the word of God to stray away from the topic of money because of the portrayal, the stigma. There you go. Amen. Don't worry, I will not be taking up an offering at the end of service. But today what I do want to talk about is something that I believe and I'll show you what I mean. How many of you need uh, physical healing, maybe? Raise your hands. Cool. How many of you need maybe a relationship to, that might be broken to be fixed? Amen. How many of you need more finances and if you lie may God not I'm going to ask it again and almost every hand went up but I'm going to ask it this way if you keep your hands down may the Lord honor your request for not having more finances I'm going to ask it again how many of you could do with more finances in your life right now more than anything else Ray even played extra good just now. I heard extra notes come out. He said, I can't raise my hands. I got to hold it down. But well, here you go. <laughs> it's the number one thing that affects our life on a daily basis. And so what I want to talk to you today about is something that can frustrate your life if you don't know how to deal with it. Do you know they say three things affect a marriage? Do you know what they are? Intimacy. Come on, let's stay there for a second. Intimacy. When you get married, you, you, amen, that's another subject. Intimacy affects a marriage. Single people. <laughs> Hallelujah. Communication. Amen. Hallelujah. And the third one. Finances. Finances. The house feels heavy when the bills aren't being paid, don't it? Come on, talk to me in here. Maybe this is the wrong congregation. Hallelujah. You ever had a marriage fight and you ain't know why you fighting? Then you realize we ain't got no money. <laughs> you, you, ever, you ever, as a spouse, just started acting up, getting different? When you realize I can't make this month's payments and the money ain't, the house becomes heavy. Hallelujah. Money affects quality of life you will have do you know that do you know that your kids will go to certain schools depending on the amount of money you make money affects your health care 
Come on, somebody. And have you ever noticed that foods that are good for you are more expensive? Why the garbage in our community is cheaper? Hallelujah. It's a setup. It's a setup, y'all. Don't drink the CC soda. It's a setup. I'm joking. Y'all remember that back in the day? Y'all don't know. Had you scared as a man. I'm from New York City. <laughs> so Silas and Shy took him to the mall. Silas, Shy had his birthday and he got all his birthday money saved up. So he said, I want to go to the mall. Shy is turning into a teenager. Got one more year and then he's going to be 13 years old. So he's doing a lot of teenage stuff. He wants to fix his boy went from never caring about how his room looks to now he's decorating and putting posters up and putting stuff all over vacuum in his room I said what is happening in this boy's life so he said dad I want to go to the mall what you want to go to the mall for I want to buy a poster I said all right I said I ain't buying it though because you got your birthday money and that's ain't how this works. You got to spend your own. Now, Silas says, well, I got Christmas money. I won't go to. So I said, all right. So I took him to the mall. They walked around. Shy got his poster. Silas went into some store, found a plushie. The... <laughs> He's like, oh, I like this. I want this. It was $18. I said, you got $18, sir? He said, yes, it's at home in my wallet. <laughs> I took his word for it. You know what I'm saying? He said, I, I, I got my $18. So I said, all right. You're going to give me them $18. Oh, and believe me, I take it from them. <laughs> I have no problem. Because they have no problems taking it from me. Hallelujah. So, you know, Shy got his poster. He come home. It's time to pay up now, both of them. Whole family together. We eating dinner. I said, yo, Shy, I'm going to need my little $10 or whatever it was. We looked on the receipt. It was actually 11 something. He thought it was 10. This boy, over a dollar. <laughs> He looked at me and said, well, if you told me it was plus tax and all that, I wouldn't want it. But I said, my man, I got the receipt. I could return it if that's what you're doing here. We don't got to. We don't, for a dollar? He threw a tantrum. But he wasn't the focus. It was Silas. Silas runs upstairs, gets his wallet, and he comes down and he opens his wallet. And Silas only has three <laughs> Three whole dollars. My man pulled out and said, and I, you could see the disappointment in his face because he's like, because he see me going at it with Shy, like, you going to give me my dollar, Mr. Cheap. So he's like, I don't even got this type of grace. So, he's... so Silas said, Dad, I only got $3. So I said, all right, your birthday coming up. <laughs> oh, we not pardoning nobody. <laughs> they didn't pardon me when I took a credit card out. I said, your birthday is in the month of March. You're going to get a little something. I said, so I'll take the $3. And three from 18 is 15. You owe me $15. Silas looked like. Now, I didn't understand what was happening, but in a child's mind, I guess he started processing what it feels like to be in debt. 
and I'm serious. I did not know it affected this guy like this. I said, you're going to have to take it out of your birthday money. So his mind started thinking, I haven't even made future money yet. And I'm paying for past bills. And I thought, you know, Silas is just going. Next day, Silas comes into the room. And he found a dollar coin that he had in his room. He said, I found a dollar coin. This is a whole dollar. And he paid. He said, how much do I owe you now? I said, you're down to 14. I wasn't letting up. Then he came back. He found another one. Then he started just going through the house and now he's down to 13 he started going through the house looking if I could find quarters of coins anywhere my man came back with two more dollars and seven cents she wanted the coins he said how much do I owe you now I said son come what's going on I said you worried about giving me your birthday money he said yeah I don't want to have to owe you and then pay what I'm getting in the future? I said, well, if you don't, I'm going to send you to collections. I said, son, listen. I took the opportunity to see, see how hard it is and how you should learn how to manage money because one overspending of what you have, mismanagement, can cause you to be frustrated for days and nobody understands why you're frustrated and why you switched up while all of a sudden you looking through the house. You different now. And then I said, don't worry, son. I'll forgive you. Took everything inside of me to let it go. <laughs> but I just want to talk to you today about something that people don't think go together. Faith and finances. Faith and finances. Let us pray today. Father, I just thank you for your word. It is blessed. And I just pray that you would talk to your people in this house through me. The best way I can deliver this without adding or subtracting, allow me to give the purity of your word. And Father, may it fall on good ground and it may reap a harvest. God, the word is for us. It is for us. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Lord, I pray that every young person would listen closely today. I pray that every adult would listen closely today as we talk about something that no doubt will have a super impact on our lives if we do not understand and if we mismanage it. We know that your word has a lot to say on every area of our lives including our finances. And so we thank you right now for speaking. In Jesus' name I pray. Somebody say, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. At the end of service, we're going to give out nothing. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, here's my first point to you today, y'all. Before you can learn how to manage money, you got to learn how to earn it. A lot of people want to learn how to manage what they don't have. Hallelujah. Diligent lead to prosperity. Laziness is akin to destruction. So what are you talking about? Number one, the Bible says this in the book of Deuteronomy. Many of us, we pray, and don't get me wrong, God is able to perform miracles. God is able to supply your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Amen. 
He's able to perform miracles. Has God ever performed a miracle financially in anybody's life? I know for me, he has. I've shared the stories with you countless times of God's supernatural provision. But I want you to know that your uh, not being diligent does not mean that God is going to automatically give you a miracle every time. Come on, somebody. That's like me eating burgers every day and a lot of sugar. And then when I get diabetes, I tell God, see, now you got to heal me. You don't give God a reason to give you a miracle. Amen. You don't marry the wrong person to ask God to heal your marriage. Amen. Hallelujah. So before you can learn how to manage money, you got to learn how to earn it. Now, why am I saying that? Because the Bible doesn't say God will give you money. What it says is this in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the... The what? No, no, no. Take out the ability. He gives you wealth. He gives you the what? The ability to get wealth. Now, what does that mean? That God has given us energy. He's given us life. He's given us skills. He's given us a mind. And what we do with ourselves is going to determine how much we earn. The greatest asset you will ever have is you. Come on, tell your neighbor, invest in yourself. What do you mean by that? Get educated. Get, if, if it's a degree you need to earn more money, go get the degree. Come on, somebody. We heard stories of God blessing people without degrees, and that's true. He's able. But for the majority of time, that might not be the story. You might have to go and actually work your abilities in order to earn. We live in a generation today that is so entitled. Money's been given away by our government. Come on, to the point where a lot of us in New Yorkers, we kind of mad about it. Y'all ain't going to say nothing. Hallelujah. But money's been given away that people don't understand the value of, of making yourself into something that is worth uh, uh, something to somebody else. Your gift, the Bible says, will bring you before great men. Now, what does that mean? That when a, when a person wanted to see a king, he had to walk with a great gift. The, the wealth would de determine the office he would get to be able to see the king. I want you to know, too, that your natural gifts, it, the, the more you work your skills, is the more it becomes in demand. Somebody said, don't make demands unless you are in demand. Y'all ain't with me today. See, y'all just want to talk about the money part. You don't want to talk about, you don't want to talk about the parts that affect you from earning. Don't ask the boss for more money and you can't come to work on time. Y'all still love me? Hallelujah, hallelujah. Look at your neighbor and say, don't be late. Tomorrow Monday, hallelujah. Hallelujah, tomorrow's Monday. Show up on time. Don't, don't call your co-worker and tell him, yo, clock me in. I'm five minutes late. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Y'all ain't saying nothing. The, 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 in my life, you know, you, you, I, I look at people like the Apostle Paul who depended on offerings to be able to do his ministry. But when there were no offerings, you know what Paul said? We can't let the work of the Lord stop because people don't want to give. I know how to make tents. Let me go and build a tent for people. Let me go and do what God has given me the ability to do. Hallelujah. Too many times people are prideful if it ain't what I want to do. Then I ain't doing nothing. I want you to know I come from an era. You give me enough soup and I'll make it happen. I remember when I purchased my first house, they looked at my finances and they said, young man, this is going to be too much for you to afford. I said, you don't know who you're talking to. You put me in that house and I'll figure out a way to pay that bill. Just give me the house. 
because as a kid, I, I, I don't know. God is just, I've never been one to sit around and wait for someone to hand me something. My parents didn't raise me that way. And clearly I'm not raising my kids that way. You, it's not going to be handed to you in life. For now, Silas, at age eight, it's daddy who's able to forgive you. If you don't learn that now, it's going to be a creditor who will lock you down for the rest of your life. And so as a child, sometimes when my parents didn't give me, I figured out, my mother will tell you this story. When we were young and I was growing up in Guyana, right? She's smiling back there. They, they had what they would call after school. They would bring the movies in and you had to pay to get in to see the movie. And my parents did not give me money on one particular day and I wanted to get in. So I had this toy. Y'all remember the Viewmaster? Now, this is, this is third world Guyana back in the days. You had one of those? So everybody was asking me, can I see? I said, oh, oh you, you have a need. I have a product. And so I started charging people a quarter, uh, 50 cent, and I made enough money to get enough to get into the movie. I never was the type of person who sat back and said, hand me something. And I want you to know something in life. Nobody owes you anything in this life. It will not be handed to you. If you want more, do more with your asset. Do more with who you are. And God wants you to be great. As a father, I want my kids to be the best at whatever they put their hands to. Savannah's in art. I want her to be the best artist. Why? Because the, the, the better she is at what she does, I, for some reason, I feel it's a reflection of me. Hallelujah. Thank you, Sister Callie. Hallelujah. When she was, when she was in, in her high school and even to this day, everybody used to talk about, oh, when I pull up to, where's Savannah? She was just so good. What's so this? And they're bragging about her. And one day, one of the uh, older security guy goes, he goes, that just shows what kind of a good father you are. And I took every credit. I said, yup, Savannah is kind, nice, sweet, and gentle because I'm nice, kind, sweet, gentle. No hood in me at all if their success I feel is a reflection of me how much more when you do great it's a reflection of God God don't want his children lazy God don't want his children complaining God don't want his children who say I'll only do it if it fits my criteria sometimes you got to do what you don't want to do to get what you actually want to do Hallelujah. The Bible says in Proverbs 13, 4, the soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing. He's never filled. But the desire of the diligent. Diligent don't mean, you, diligent don't, like I go to the gym, I don't go to the gym. That was quick. <laughs> Why? Because the minute I lift the first weight, I'll be looking in the mirror like, wait, wait, my... it ain't there. Anybody work out like that? Like the first time you like the men did the, 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 the challenge, I went on the scale, I saw my weight, I said, this is light work. I did some running, I went back up, the, the, it ain't moving. I was like, I don't know if I could do this for a whole month. Finn's going to have to rethink this. I think I'm healthy anyway. If I don't see results immediately, I'm ready to quit. That's not diligence. Diligence is doing it, doing it, doing it, doing it, doing it, doing it, and believing that one day as you improve, as you get better, as you stick with it, the more you do it, eventually the inevitable will come. Success will follow diligence. That's what the word of God says. Many of us fail because we quit too early. Look at this, Proverbs 18, 9. Listen, when it came to music, I was successful for one reason. I was diligent. I think in my mind, I'm the greatest musician who ever lived. In, in my mind. 
Just like in my mind it's spring, but it was cold this morning. I looked at I looked outside, I said, Spring, why are you not springing, man? What's up? In my in my and I don't mean to stay on this point, but I just want to encourage somebody to get your passion back. Get, 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 get your fire back for life. When I, was, when I started doing music, it was in the time where people told me that I was doing Satan's music. In this very church that my father was the pastor of the first time I rapped here, a woman came to my father and said, why you got your son doing that devil music? And my, son had to my father had to decide if he was going to let me do music in the church. When I went to the projects, it was to Jesus. So how in the world am I ever going to be a musician with a, a weird gift, gospel rap? Nobody, to this day, they don't know what to do with it, but it wins Grammys every time. Amen. That boy Lecrae keep getting them. Amen. Amen. And, 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 and so I didn't, I didn't worry about people. I said, God, this is the gift you give me, and I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to get better and better and better and better. I used to take what is called a four-tape recorder, record on it. We had no Christian beat makers back then. So we had to use every secular track to record on. One of the first tracks I recorded on was Supercat. Dolly, Miss Dolly, my baby. <laughs> and to show you the history, that, that was the first time y'all ever heard Biggie Smalls rap on, the, on that song. It was, it was a Jamaican man. Put, anyway. That's neither here nor there. I used to record on those. And when we got invited to churches, because you recorded on tapes, and they play, if they played the wrong side, come on, Rich, they don't know about this history. Y'all walking in a promised land now. But you don't know what we've been through. And the passage, and then you have to tell, hey, turn, the, turn the tape around, rewind it to the beginning. All right, press play there. And you and you you rap and and I remember I put my music out. I remember you know bookstores didn't want to carry it. I used to print my own CDs when CDs came out. I stood in front of New Life Christian Bookstore. I would hand people CDs. I didn't care who it was. I said somebody gotta like me. And one day a man called me and he said, "Yo, you just you you the kid that was in front of the store." I said, "Yes." He said. I, I passed our church out in the Bronx. I want you to come do a concert. I said, I would love to come do one or two songs. He said, no, I want you to be the whole show. And that was the time I went, and everybody who knows me know I got a famous intro. Rich calls it the cheap code. That's when I invented the devil intro, we call it, right? And I put that together because of what this man did. And from the, once I put that intro on, every place in New York City said, we got to bring this young boy. Why? Because I was diligent. When my father didn't uh, uh, had to make a decision because it was old school, I went and rent, rented Wingate High School for myself at 18 years old and rented that building. Another pastor was supposed to help me, but on the day of when it was time to pay the bill, he disappeared. Hallelujah. <laughs> I was left alone. I booked an artist from Florida. Flew him in. This is all teenage years. Teenage years. Brought him in so that people who wanted to see him, I was going to give myself a longer time than him. It's my show. You want... <laughs> I'm, and that's how I did stuff like that. And that was the one time my dad came and he saw and he sat in the back and he said... Oh, no, I got to rethink what my son is doing. And he fell in love with what I was doing. He came back, and every Sunday after church, he would have us on the sidewalk rapping. And then my father passed away. Let me tell you something. I was diligent. And as a result, even years later, years later, every, every door that God opened in my life, was this thing that everybody rejected that said was nothing. What I'm trying to tell you is that your nothing in God's hand is something. <laughs> Dr. Nixon, I've known you because of this nothing gift. Dr. Nixon been following me for how long? I don't even know. 
umpteen years. Dr. Nixon rides around New York like there's no other gospel rap music. She pulls up the people, y'all hear this gospel rapper and plays who you represent that came out since 2008. She's like, this is the best thing. And I don't, I ain't mad at it. You keep playing it. Hallelujah. <laughs> and many, many, many doors have been opened because of diligence. What I'm trying to say is be diligent at what you do before you could manage money. You got to be worth something to earn money. Before you make demand, you got to be in demand. So young people, don't think it's going to be handed to you overnight. Don't think you're just going to wake up and automatically you're going to be successful. Don't think that, that automatically tomorrow you're going to have Instagram dreams. And, and, and you, you think, oh, I'm going to do something bogged on the gram to get views. Views don't even equal money. Y'all ain't say nothing to me. Hallelujah. a lot of viral broke people. Fame and success is not the same. I'm teaching today, y'all. Reasons we are in debt. Reasons we go into debt. Number one, lack of financial education. A lot of people, we went to school and we never had a finance class. Where was the finance class? Never had one. All them years of schooling, you never had a class teaching you finances. Kids don't even, our kids don't learn how to invest. They don't learn the stock market. They don't learn nothing. They don't learn, they don't learn, they don't even learn. The one thing we're going to have to do forever is taxes. There's not even a class that teaches you how, to, how taxes work. They don't teach you what an LLC is. They don't teach you what nonprofit is. They don't teach you none of these things that you need to know in order to be able to succeed in life. The average child is coming out of school with, 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 with no type of financial education. But they will give you a credit card in college and they will not tell you what you're getting into. Come on, how many of you got a free t-shirt and a, a $2,000 limit in college and you bought McDonald's with it? I was buying gas with my credit card. I was buying McDonald's. I paid for that years and years later. Hallelujah. Lack of financial education. There is so many people, so many resources now for you to educate yourself on how money works. Do it. Educate yourself on how finances work. Here's another reason we go into debt. We know, but we are in rebellion to financial principles. Some people are just rebellious against the principle. I know we don't make that, but I got to have that. Come on. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor, you can't have that if you don't make that. If you're not careful, don't become an emotional spender. Don't buy into this American me time. I got to have me time. What about me? You got to do something to take care of self. I'm telling you, all this new stuff, maybe I'm just old. Maybe, I, maybe I'm just, my era's just past, y'all. But I'm from, like, all this stuff, where was it when I was growing? I never heard of me time growing up. Me time? It ain't about you. Now people got to have me time. And their me time consists of, I'm going to take three days in Jamaica uh, in a... But you ain't got no job. You ain't got no. That's a lot of me time for somebody who don't got a nobody. You don't do nothing time. But life and, you know, my mental health. That is another over you. Everybody mad. You got mental and you got health. Good. That's it. Let me give y'all a little secret. Everybody crazy. We think we're not. There's a saying we used to have in this church. Bug people don't know they bug. Everybody, you, you, your me time can't be you're going to run out and buy you some $300 shoes when you can't afford that. Hallelujah. Rebellion against financial principles. You cannot spend more than you earn. Hallelujah. 
If you married to a man who likes to buy a lot of gear and electronics, tell him stop. If, if you can't, if my wife had to tell me that, I always thought, I got need this in the studio. I need to buy this. This is going to get me wife. My wife said, if you can't put out a song with what you have already, Come on, somebody. I admire my son. My son took a computer and a mic and started making music. And I'm like, there's no way this boy going to make this big type of production. Because I know what it takes. Next I know a boy putting out a whole album. I said, where you recording this at? <laughs> you don't got nothing I got. Let me tell you, I know people who would take this iPhone and make a whole album. Listen, it's not. Some people are overspending. You're breaking financial rules, and you can't, you're not going to see success if you don't follow the principle. Here's another reason we are in debt. We're just materialistic and greedy. You know you ought to eat a salad this week, and, and you know you can't order a large ox. Why are we always picking on this ox still, you can't eat a large oxtail every day if you broke. <laughs> you can't be roll, rolling up to just, you got to learn not to be greedy. You can't have everything. I'm not saying it's wrong to have things. I'm saying that it is wrong, though, if you can't afford it to keep putting yourself in debt to have it. That's wrong. When you can't afford it, do you. There's nothing wrong with it. But if you can't afford it you, you, and you just want it, you, just, you can't find your value in your clothes and in your cars and your houses. It's okay, man. You know, hey, listen. That $200,000 $200, Tesla truck do the same thing a little Hyundai do. Get you from point A to point B. Only difference is you got a big truck you can't find park in Brooklyn. My Hyundai, I'm up in the apartment two hours ago and you still driving around. You understand what I'm saying? There's benefits. Don't let pride... Hey, I applaud you, man. You balling. I'm cool with what I got. Because when you get into those financial stress, it kills you. Here's another reason we end up in debt. Poor planning. No budgeting. If you were the... If your house... Let me ask you a question. If your house was a company, are you a good CEO? Or a CFO, I should say. If your house was a company like Apple, like Spotify, and the world says, we want to see your financial records to see how good of a CEO you are, CFO, would you be good? Would you hire you? <laughs> Stacy said no. <laughs> Stacy said nope. Would you hire you to run your own finances? Because you are. Amen? That's a very important question for you to ask yourself. Look at what the book of Proverbs 22.7 says. The rich rules over the poor. Oh, that's a whole word right there. See, when you read that, you just think, oh, man, rich people just got it over the poor. Let me tell you something. That right there has more revelation than you think. The reason societal fabric is changing, the reason morality is changing is because those that are wanting to change the dynamics of how we live, they have the money. And so when the Bible tells you the rich rules over the poor, it don't mean the rich is bawling over the poor. It means it literally tells the poor how to live. We're going to tell you morality. 
Everything that's happened in society is determined by big tech and all these companies. Every, everything that is happening in the world, every new agenda that is being pushed is being pushed by corporate rich America. Y'all ain't saying nothing to me in this place. And so when the Bible tells you the rich rules over the poor, they ain't lying. They will look at you in the face and tell you stuff that you know is dead wrong. But just because they have power and money, there ain't a thing we could do other than go along. Y'all hear what I'm saying? And look at this, this other part. And the borrower is slave to the lender. The borrower is slave to the lender. God needs people to be financially free. God needs Christians who are financially successful. God needs you to be financially uh, 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 in a place where you're, you, you are successful for the kingdom. Young people, dream big. And put God first. You don't think God wants to, to, to bless people in this room? You think, if you've been coming to our Bible study, what's one of the gifts that nobody talks about? Giving. A gift that is given to the church is the gift of giving. Now, that's not your regular giving the Bible is talking about. It's talking about that God is gifted people to give beyond. Now, for them to give beyond, that means God is going to bless some people in this room. And this, you know, when we, we talk about faith, we, this is not, I'm sorry for what the church has made, prosperity doctrine and all this. This is, not, this is not name it, claim it, blab it, grab it. This is go out, work hard, and God will bless you. Come on, somebody, go out and be wise, and God will bless you. Do right, and God will bless you. Amen. This ain't name it, claim it, blab it, grab it, sow a seed of 2024, 2024 dollars, and I get a word for you. This ain't that. That's garbage. And I have no apologies to make. And if you like that stuff, I'm praying for your deliverance. Because you done wasted a lot of money. Christianity, you can't buy God's blessing. You can't. You can't, I don't care, I remember one day a lady said to me, she said, uh, uh, Pastor, I want to send my tithe to church. I said, that's wonderful, you got a heart for God, that's good. But you know, God wants you too. He wants to, he wants to save you, he wants to change your life. She said, no, I just learned that we should give to God and, and he going to bless me. I said, no, you know, God will bless and he will honor your giving. But I'm going to tell you this, if your character and you don't change, your tithe ain't going to automatically get you in there because if that's how it works then we all could stay home and just send 10% and we go to heaven mm. so there has to be a balance yes you should tithe but at the same time don't fool yourself and think you can buy God's blessings come on somebody hallelujah the borrower is slave to the lender Here's my sixth point. Increasing your income is not a financial solution if you have not mastered the art of money management. Learn to safeguard your earnings. Put it this way. Brother Fred would always say this. You don't need to make more money. You just need to learn to manage the money you currently have. More money is just going to make you more of what you are. If you're a wild spender now, more money is going to make you a wilder spender. Amen? Amen? You don't need more money. You just need to learn how to manage and keep the money you make. Listen to this, y'all. Saving is securing the future while debt is living in the past. How many of you are saving? How many of you plan to leave an inheritance for your children and your children's children? Come on, how many of you plan to leave something? 
When you save, you're securing your future. When you're in debt, you're living in the past. My man Silas learned that this week. That's a lesson that I think he will never forget. I could just see him now whenever he goes to some place and he has to buy something, he's going to say, how much? <laughs> nope, can't afford it. Because <laughs> he didn't like that feeling. You know how many marriages are in trouble right now because of finances? You want a house. You want a better place to live. You want doors open, but because you have you don't have the finances, you're in trouble. When you spend, are you telling money what to do or is money telling you what to do? You can't manage money if you can't manage self. This is good. I'm helping somebody today. Listen to me, young people. Start saving money and learning how to manage it. Every young man in this building, listen to me, every young lady. You got your job? Don't spend on, don't just buy the things that you think you need right now because you're young and this is, this is what's, start thinking bigger than where you are. Start thinking about how I'm going to get a house. If you're 18, 19 years old in this room, start thinking about how to buy a house. There are several people in, oh, can I just testify the goodness of God in this house? Let me tell you, if you're in this house, God has blessed people in this house. I've watched the young men who come up in this church. Hallelujah. I watched God took young men who, 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 who just went from one day wondering how am I ever going to be blessed and just putting God first, working hard, to now being homeowners. And one of the things I always tell them was when they were young, don't wait until you think you're ready to buy a house. Go talk to a mortgage broker now. And for years, some of them, They'll testify and tell you they looked at me like I was crazy. And they never went to learn their numbers until they went to learn their numbers. And then they got a house. And you know what they called and said? I didn't know it was that easy to get a house. I said, what you don't know is costing you more than what you do. And let me tell you, a young person in this house, start thinking bigger. Start thinking. Start thinking beyond where you are. You, you want to be, oh gosh. You want to be able to, 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 to gather wealth now, not when you're older. Hallelujah. When you spend, are you telling money what to do or is money telling you what to do? Some people spend and their spending habits indicate that they have no control. Y'all hearing me in this house. Now, what? What does where I spend my money say about me? It says several things. Where you spend your money tells what you love. And it shows if you put God first. Now I can spend a lot of time on this. I want to go to Matthew 6, 19. And we're going to read that in a minute. I want you to know that the first thing, and I make no apologies about this, is that you got to put God first when it comes to your wealth. I'm going to give you three things of why I personally make God priority over my finances. Number one, when I put God first and I give God uh, what belongs to him, I break the stronghold of materialism on my life. In other words... Money does not define who I am. Because you can become a person that is so greedy. Let me tell you something. And, and this might be a message that you might be saying, why is pastor going so hard? Because I can tell you the countless men who started off innocent, who wanted to get married and build a family. But once they take, money's a funny thing. 
When you taste success and money, it's like crack cocaine. It's addictive. You want to go after it more and more. As a minister, I can see why ministers get pulled astray. When somebody calls you and they say, we're going to pay you this much to do a concert. After a while, you start saying, what? This can what? You, your mind, if you're not careful in every industry, the taste of money can pull you out of everything that you are. That's why the Bible says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. The love of money got politicians not making right decisions for the people because somebody's in their pockets. Y'all ain't saying nothing to me. When you can look at communities that we belong to, but no money ever flows here, hallelujah, is because the money for the people we picked as leaders, the money in their pockets silenced them on issues that matter to us. That money will cause people to do a lot of evil. Money will cause preachers to never say certain subjects because it's going to mess their fame up. Won't be viral if they touch that topic. So we got to dance close to certain things if we want to get the morning talk shows. And we want to be, listen, I learned this not secondhand. I know this firsthand. I know what it's like to say I'm going to tone down a couple things for a couple opportunities. Money make people do a lot of strange stuff. And if you're not careful... It can control you. And I can't tell you how many men went wholeheartedly seeking God, but then money came in the picture and they stopped coming to church because they got to chase money. I got to work. I got to do this. I got to do more. They never had it in them to say enough is enough. No, unless we change this scheduling, I got a fine time to be with God. They stop spending less time with their wife, less time with their children. And before part long, they grew apart because of money. And next you find them, you got to counsel them through not having a divorce. Why? Because of the paper chase. And then you ask them, why were you chasing money so hard? The answer makes no sense because they'll say it's because I wanted to do good for my that you don't have now. Hallelujah. When I give to God, I'm learning to trust God. I'm saying to God that I realize it is him that is my source and everything else is a resource. Y'all remember when the pandemic hit? And people were losing jobs, all types of stuff. You didn't know how God was going to provide. Didn't God show you that he is the source and everything else is a resource? Some of you actually was a benefit that that pandemic occurred because God actually gave you businesses. Y'all ain't saying nothing. God birthed businesses in some of you. You would have been holding on to that boss for so long but God made you an entrepreneur God gave you I'm telling you you got to understand like when the mailman brings me a check I don't run out and be like where the mailman at I want to hug him he's just the carrier your job is just the carrier of God's blessings in your life your everything you have God is really the source if God decided not to bless you tomorrow you ain't gonna be blessed that's why, oh my gosh. Y'all remember Abraham and Lot? I feel like preaching in here. Blessing is not a low. Let me tell you something. Blessing is who you connected to. You know, they say it's who you know that matters. Yo, do you know somebody in the business? Do you know somebody? Listen, who you know knows everybody. Who you know can control the heart of anybody. And I'm telling you that firsthand. That's why when Abraham and Lot, Abraham said, listen, man, we both blessed. We so blessed that the people in my company is fighting the people in your company. Let's split and part ways. Lot said, all right, what you want to do? Abraham said, pick wherever you want and wherever you don't pick, I'll take. It rightfully should have been Abraham who would have said, I'm going to take wherever I want because he's the, he's the older, he's the, he's the upper, he's the senior in the situation. But he told Lot, take whatever. And Lot, like a true New Yorker hustler, he saw Manhattan and he said, man, he saw, 
He pitched his tent towards Sodom. Hallelujah. He said, yo, it looked popping over there. They got big cities, money, lights flashing, everything. And he went there. And Abraham went where it was desolate. When the story continues on, Lot is in trouble. And Abraham getting more and more blessed. More and more blessed. Because blessings is not a location. It's who you know and who you connected to. And if you connected to God, God is your source. You can be blessed anywhere. Lastly, I am honoring the Bible when I give to God. In turn, I'm storing treasures in heaven because souls are being saved with my giving. Everybody goes, what the church do with my money? Listen, I don't know what every other church does. That ain't my concern. But I do know this, that you should find good ground. Sow into good ground. And when you find good ground and you see souls are being saved, here's the rejoicing. I am part of every person that comes to the Lord Jesus because my giving it was storing up the treasures in heaven. Look at what Matthew 16, 19 says. It says, do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy and where Thieves do not break in. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Proverbs 3.9 says, honor the Lord with your wealth. Honor the Lord with your wealth. Hallelujah. And I close with this, y'all. I close with this. The Lord your God is able to provide and meet your needs. These are crazy times that we're living in. Uncertain times. But God will never leave you nor forsake you. I want you to know that whatever fights you're having, whatever financial trials you're having, keep doing right. Keep putting God first. Keep honoring God in all that you do. And God will supply all of your needs according to his riches. He's not going to, the Bible doesn't say he's going to supply your wants. That's extra. But your needs will be met. And God will give you seed so that you can in turn be able to pay your bills. He'll teach you things. I'm trying to tell every person in this room that God is able. I don't know who I'm talking to in this house, but there might be somebody in this room that has been financially uh, confused. You don't know where you're next. You don't, you, you're asking God, why am I in this strange place? I've seen God move the heart of the king for his people. I've seen God move mountains for his people. And I'm not telling you things I don't know. I'm telling you, I, I, listen, I'm, he, I, was, I, I forgot who I was sharing with this week. They came by and we were hanging out. And I said, you know how I was able to even get the house I was in? They said, I said, when I walked into my I couldn't even afford my house. I was just looking at houses. Because I wanted to see with people how I was a weirdo. But I walked into one house and just trusting and believing God. The man said, just make me whatever offer. I said, no, sir, it's going to be insulting to you. He said, make me the offer. I made him the offer. He said, call me back later. He said, we'll take it. I said, what? Sometimes God will show you that he's God and you'll be surprised that he's God. Let God ever God on you and then you're like, he God. You know what I'm talking about. Like God just says, hey, I'm God. And then you're like, oh, snap, he's God. Oh, snap. God just did that. You ain't ever had those. Y'all need the gift of faith in this church. I don't know what you're going through today, but I'm telling you, that's the, t- the, the man said, and when we got to the closing, then I realized they were going through a divorce and they just wanted to get out the house. I said, Lord, I don't understand, but I'll take it. Hallelujah. what I'm saying you you don't know what God is gonna do in your life you don't know you just you gotta just keep doing right and honoring God honoring God putting God first putting God first and he will supply all your needs 
hallelujah not your greeds hallelujah not your greed hallelujah honor God's principle honor God's word and I want to encourage especially my young people I don't know why I keep saying this because you're the next generation and a lot of you come to me and you complain about the generation if you want to have an impact on your next generation then 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 work on you make sure that you are in demand make sure you are worth something to society and learn how money works now start getting the books that you see your parents and all of them listening to now in their old age like I got that I, I got two I got 10 years left but I'm gonna try to get a thousand dollars saved up Learn how to invest like never before. Growing up, do y'all remember growing up when they talked about buying a stock? In my mind, I was like, how do you even do that? As a kid growing up in the 90s, in the early 2000s, your mind, they said, buy a stock. you like, who do you call? You got to know some rich man. Now you can go and log on, put your code in, and you could be up. A, a shareholder in Apple to the point now they got you gambling on the apps <laughs> learn how money works don't just be driven remember when Bitcoin came out everybody like you gotta buy Bitcoin now you gotta buy Bitcoin now and then Bitcoin started going crazy and people started buying and Bitcoin went crazy <laughs> then it went back and then they said there's a new one what they call it? They used to call it doggy coin, the doge coin. They said, oh, that's the one, that's the one. It's only 18 cents now. And people went crazy. That joint's like point something, something cents now. And they went, you got to learn these things. Learn how money works. Educate yourself. But I'm going to tell you this. In all that you do with finances, don't ever not honor God with your wealth. We are a church. I've, my, my mother and father raised me on this. They raised me to be a tither. And at times when I grew up, I saw the internet preachers who would tell you tithing is no more. Your pastor lying to you. We under grace. You don't need to give God nothing. think they went a little bit too far because I do know this that however you want to spin it and we can argue about the, 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 the scriptures I do know on the grace you owe more than 10% because under law he required 10 law killed grace gives life so in this church, I believe in tithing and I believe in putting God first. And I've never had money be a, 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 a master over me. And I thank God that I've learned to love people and use money. Not love money and use people. Let's close in prayer. You need a financial a miracle.